cast of the past, we talk a lot about nostalgia, whether it be the PlayStation 1, the Nintendo 64, but something that seems to be part of the forgotten past of the 90s, the 2000s, and even like the 80s and back are video game mascots. It feels like there was a very key moment in our lives where you thought about Super Mario, but more so than the video games, it was about the character. You thought about Pokemon, and you couldn't help but think about Pikachu, but it feels like nowadays, that's sort of like a, a forgotten art in the world of video games. So we thought we would talk about that in another exciting episode of A Cast of the Past addressing Ryan. What happened to video game mascots? You can expect to listen to a brand new episode each and every Sunday with yours truly, Juan Velas from Puerto Rico. Joining me from Boston, Massachusetts, we have Ryan McNulty. Now, Ryan, in your case, uh, growing up 90s, early 2000s, how important were video game mascots for you? I think video game mascots were very important because in a way they personified and represented a video game system, right? You had Mario with Nintendo and he was the, you know, the all, you know, lighthearted, fun, like guy just, you know, made sense. Sonic on the Sega side was like, oh, he's got the attitude, gotta go fast, the two, the two. and very much represented like the 90s kind of just that kind of, um, you know, rebellious attitude, I guess. And Mario was kind of like the wholesome, you know, everyman. Um, and then, you know, you kind of had a similar era with like Crash Bandicoot really personifying the PlayStation and trying to differentiate itself. And I remember there was a lot of commercials with a guy dressed up in a Crash Bandicoot suit for all those Crash right, commercials right. and stuff. So, he, you know, PlayStation really did embrace the whole uh, mascot thing for a while, too. And Xbox even, you know, having Master Chief and everything like that. So... It definitely seemed like each console seemed to have like a, a figurehead, a representative, um, and now things that's a little bit lost. Like you couldn't say, you know, is Cra Crash isn't the PlayStation mascot really anymore, and you can't really pinpoint one particular character. I mean, yeah, you have things like God of War um, and like you know, Lara Croft at one point was much more mascot than now. Um, so, but yeah, a lot of these modern systems with the exception of Nintendo, I think Nintendo still embraces this mascot era and I think it works well for them. But in, in terms of like Xbox, PC, you know, certain game companies, you don't see it as much. Yeah. I, I think that especially growing up, it was more of, at least in my understanding, it was like developers and publishers trying to be the iconic thing for the PlayStation. Like when you think of PlayStation, yeah, you can think of Crash, but you can also think of Spyro. You can think of Lara Croft. You can think of so many things, right? But Nintendo, there's no question. Sega, there's no question. And I think that's the ultimate battle that many people were, were looking for, which, by the way, speaking of battles, people, you may be listening to only two people for the next few episodes because Keith Hamilton is out there battling that pandemic. He is solving the world. So he's going to be back in another future episode. But also, if you want to join the, com the community, we do have a Discord channel over at acastofthepast.com slash Discord. Uh, we actually want to give a shout out to many of the awesome people on our Discord community. We we just laid it all out there, asking everybody, hey, like, what are some random topics you'd love for us to talk about? And this was actually one of them. So shout out to uh, Sir Meatwad, uh, Madros, uh, Ace Under Geek Bunny, everybody out there. You can also leave a five-star review 
on your favorite podcast app, whether it be Stitcher, Apple Podcast, even on Facebook, you can leave a review. But then going back to this topic, when you think of video game mascots, I think Mario is the obvious example, right? So that could have horribly failed because when you think about Mario, he used to just be basically a, a character, right? Yeah, but at some man. point, people, he was Jumpman. So I don't think anybody could could guess the success. Why do you think Mario, who is an Italian plumber that squashes bugs and all that stuff in a way, why was he so successful? I, I think part of it just being the Donkey Kong arcade game was extremely popular. It really took off. And then, you know, eventually they make a game, Super Mario Brothers, and that just becomes the de facto game for the system. So he really just became the representative. The same way that Pokemon kind of became the de facto um, game for the Game Boy. I mean, I know there's Tetris and stuff, but let's be honest, uh, you know, a, a long-shaped square rectangle isn't really going to take off as a mascot. They tried. You know? They actually tried that Did they a little really? bit, but they failed. Wow. Yeah, if you looked at the manual, there's always been where they tried to sort of name each yeah, block no, his to name, give them some more name personality. Is Hero. Hero is yeah. the long piece, which, you know, it's the one you always need. So, you know, you can just it's be like, true. I need a hero. <laughs> That's what I do oh, when I play Tetris. Great song. <laughs> anyway. Oh, no. Thanks to that. I, I can't yeah. unthink that now. But I mean, think about it, right? It. These mascots, it, it's kind of a natural development, right? Master Chief became sort of the Xbox mascot because that was the game that made the Xbox. You don't have Halo. Xbox probably isn't going to take off nearly to the extent that it did. So really when it became one game that really represented a system or really represented a game company that they kind of morphed into the mascot. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way to look at it. Like, for example, in my case, there's this sense of brand recognition. Like I mentioned in this podcast multiple times, I never played a Sega console growing up except one time the Sega Genesis in Venezuela of all places. And then the Sega Dreamcast was my first console. Now that being said, there is no way I didn't know who Sonic was, right? When I got my Dreamcast, it was like, it was the Sonic machine. I yeah. got Sonic Adventure and it's like, after all these years, I finally get to understand this character. And I think, you know, growing up, we also had video game magazines. We're, we're trying to address the question of what happened to all this, right? And I think you can't have this conversation without talking about video game magazines. I think that mascots, and I'd love to get your take on this, really, they were there. It's like, hey, here's a cute character, so I got to buy the video game. I think it's a lot more attractive to see Crash or Spyro than it is to see the PS1 jewel case, right? Because a kid may want to buy that plushie, may want to buy that action figure, whereas just the video game, maybe the adult cannot relate. Like, what's your take on the mascot that leading to ultimately buying a game? Yeah, I think it was all part of, you know, selling to kids and having it be more than just a game, sort of like how movies for a while felt like more than just a movie because you had, you know, when Star Wars Episode One was coming out, like Pepsi was in on it. Every, you know, every other commercial was Star Wars related. It was an experience. And I think video games during that time when there was way more people watching TV, you had way more video game commercials during, you know, your Saturday morning cartoons or whatever. Um, and the, the characters were much more present. 
Um, Another key aspect, I think, was, right, I think the height of the mascot era was really during the times when the graphics really lent themselves to having it better being a cartoon character than a realistic human. I mean, Laura Croft is like the one exception to this where she really did kind of take off as a character, even if she is a lot of polygons, (laughs) Um, a whole lot of polygons for a whole lot of people. But I mean, like if you think about like the 16 bit era, right, where things very much look like a Saturday morning cartoon, like Sonic and Mario were kind of perfect for that time. Um, And then even, you know, getting into like, you know, up to the PS2 era, uh, that's when graphics started getting more and more real. And it's natural that things would start to fall off as graphics got more realistic. Gamers, you know, the gamer generation gets a little bit older. You know, there's always new young gamers coming in. But I think the the era of console gamers, you know, there's still kind of this large group that, hey, we're in our 30s now and we're still playing games. So, if we're the largest audience and we have the most disposable income to spend on games, they may want to appeal to us more in the cute, cuddly uh, mascots maybe won't appeal as much as, oh, show me God of War gameplay and I'll buy your game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Kratos is a really good example of a mascot, like a more modern one. But even then, I don't think people think about it the same way. And just going going way back before our generation Think about something like Pac-Man, right? Pac-Man, iconic Vita game, but I have no doubt that the developers were like, it's really, how, how do you portray personality on basically around, like a, with a, a pizza with a slice taken off? What is basically that, right? But then you can create a mascot and the mascot can talk in, in uh, TV commercials. You can have them in a video game ad or, or magazine ad. So I think in many ways, it was this opportunity of saying, well, maybe the Vita game, they can't talk at that moment, but they can now. And that also yeah, lent itself, you can like bring you mentioned, them to with the 8-bit and 16-bit generation. Yeah. When, especially when things were very limited and what you could do in a video game, you could bring characters to life through Saturday morning cartoons, like the Mario cartoon that there was, or the Zelda cartoon, or even, you know, they flesh things out. That's why, like, video game manuals used to be more fleshed out about the characters. The Mortal Kombat cartoon. Yeah. Oh, no. Or, or the movies or whatever. Yeah. So, I think that was also a thing when you couldn't do these high detailed cutscenes and voice acting you brought them to life through other means and that kind of made it made the character more than just a video game character and i think another really good point you mentioned is i think that it really was up until like the ps1 and n64 generation that i feel we had a, a clear definition of when did mascots peak because i feel like in the playstation 2 you know we, we got a bunch of them so we got jack and daxter a uh, sly a uh, ratchet and clank it feels like a lot of this was left over from Donkey Kong and like Diddy Kong. They were trying to make these pairs. You know, they tried Banjo-Kazooie with nuts and bolts and keep that relevant. But I do feel like as developers in the community, as you mentioned, we got older. So the games naturally got a lot greater. And it's just very hard. Like, how do you make a mascot? And, you know, Call of Duty. People think about Call of Duty and Call of Duty became a brand. But aside from like Captain Price and Call of Duty 4, maybe some key characters in a story... Is there a character that you'll go like, oh, that's the Call of yeah. Duty video game mascot? It's a little bit harder for Call of Duty because they like to go to different eras and things like that. So you can't really have a consistent character. I mean, you have got you have characters like Solid Snake that 
definitely followed through many, you know, through to the PS4 generation. Um, and, you know, Nathan Drake very much was a representative of like the PlayStation 3 era, but they didn't, they weren't to the same degree that I think, like you said, the PS1 era is really kind of the hype before things really dropped off because PlayStation was very much embracing Crash and Spyro as like their representatives for the system. Um, but PS2, you know, they definitely tried some new stuff, like you said. Um, but it didn't ever feel the same after that, you know, N64 PS1 era. So I know that, uh, your your probable answer for favorite mascot would have to be Donkey Kong, right? Just just based on <laughs> your favorite games. You know, uh, Donkey Kong. Well, that's the thing is, I, I love Donkey Kong for the country series, um, and those are some of my favorite games ever. But you know, I, I think Link will probably always be my favorite, um, just because I love the the Zelda series so much. But I, I do, you know. Even though I don't play as much Mario, like I do love, you know, I just love that Nintendo still embraces it so much in there that they're just, hey, we don't care about realistic graphics. Since we're all about gameplay, we still love the cute characters and you all love to make them beat the crap out of each other in Smash Brothers. So we're just going to keep embracing it and going with it. And look, you know, it still works. If you're on the video version, you can see I have all these plushes behind me of all these video game characters. So it, you know, I still love the mascots, as you can tell, uh, very much on the Nintendo side. But even like I still even though I don't even I haven't played that much Crash, like I like I like him as a representative of a system. I, I feel like it's a cool thing when a system has a character that you directly associate with. And I think that helps sell systems and really, you know, make it. I mean, you have to have that iconic series that someone will be like, I will buy a system for that series. And I think taking a character beyond the video game does help do that. But as you said, with things like Call of Duty, nowadays you can really, because a big portion of the generation is a lot older now, a brand can sell a system now. It doesn't have to be a character. And I think in a lot of ways, mascots, maybe on the console side, yeah, you do have, as you mentioned, Master Chief with the Assassin's Creed games. I think there is a difference between like a protagonist, like Nathan Drake, and a mascot like Super Mario, because mm -hmm. Mario, I feel like the, the concept of a mascot far exceeds the video game. Like, I think a lot of people, and I could be wrong, when you think about Nathan Drake, you're like, I want to play Uncharted. When you think of Sonic, Mario, you can think of so many things, like the actual console. You can think of uh, merchandise, clothing. It's something like your actual background is a good example. My background is a good example. I don't think there's any coincidence that, you know, behind me, I have a couple of different things like uh, Link memorabilia. Have I played every single Z The Legend of Zelda game? No. but it, It's it what they represent, you, you know. Yeah, and, and I, will, I would even say it's like it brings you a feeling. You know, yeah. we talk a lot about nostalgia in this podcast. And I think it's like when you have that, that character means something. Whereas you think about like Assassin's Creed or something, and hey, we're not discrediting that at all. But it's more about, hey, that's a character. But this is like a, a pop culture phenomenon, right? Yeah, well, it's like, like I said, they're beyond the game and... They, they personify something where, you know, it wouldn't feel the same of just having like a Nathan Drake figurine behind me as opposed to like Mario. Like that's Nintendo. That's this character. Everyone know you know, 
people know who Mario is who have never played Mario. It's it's reached outside the bounds of video games. And probably another thing that maybe we're not super familiar with, you you sort of got to bring up cosplay, right? Because I think there is that line of why would somebody cosplay as a character? I know League of Legends is something I have no experience with, but people love to cosplay that. So I think it's like the concept of mascot just evolved. And maybe it's not immediately obvious because also back in the day, you didn't have so much access to information where now you have so much, right? Uh, like uh, there's a website I went to the other day to, it's not like a Funko Pop, but it's like a, like a small vinyl figure. But on the same website, you could buy some of like famous YouTubers. And for me, with my generation, and I feel old saying that, I'm like, who would buy that? But I realize that's not for me. So maybe for somebody else, you want a little like YouTuber, Bob, like I would love a Ryan Bobblehead. Can you imagine a Ryan Bobblehead? That would be amazing. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I don't I feel like I have dif- like, I don't even know what that would look like. You know, I, I, I don't have like a <laughs> Just defining like, enough dude, characteristic to really personify a Bobblehead. But that is a great point. The child and then the dude. And, you know, prior to this conversation, I was reading an article based on, you know, what what has happened with video game mascots. And one of the things that you brought up very much so for the younger generation is that, you know, streamers and other personalities have sort of taken over for some of these games, right? If you think about, okay, Fortnite, maybe someone like Ninja is really kind of like the mascot for that game. Um, so there's really like that is a personality it's a real person and but they you know when you think of that streamer you think of that personality you think of that game so they have kind of taken over and that that's a little bit risky and unfortunate in some ways for the people for the creators of the game right because that's a little bit riskier even though it's kind of out of and especially because it's out of their control right so if ninja or you know you had something like there was controversy with the streamer like dr disrespect right yeah they represent your game even though you you don't necessarily have any affiliation with them directly you may or may not but they like people think of that game they think of you and then you go and do something crazy then that might reflect poorly on on your game whereas pikachu Pikachu's never going to get caught doing drugs in an alley I mean, hey, or something. Hey, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Those cheeks were not red before originally. Those things yeah. change somehow. Yeah. Let's just say you're relatively safe with someone like Mario or whatever. You don't have to worry about them, you know, going off doing something that's going to hurt your brand. So, um, again, that's not really in the control of some of these developers or game companies, but it is kind of just an unfortunate side effect that they have to be a little bit more concerned about as opposed to having, you know, a cartoon character represent your your game. No, that's very true. And I think it goes back to what we mentioned earlier, which is I think the mascot far exceeds the video game. It's like you think of the mascot, you think of the video game. I think if it goes the other way, it's kind of like, well, it, it's a nice character, right? Like I love a lot of video games and every game has a protagonist. Every movie has a, a protagonist and an antagonist, but not necessarily do I think about that main character first. Now, uh, we, we thought like if the question is what happened to video game mascots, like can you immediately think of one that you know somebody tried to shove down your throat or maybe they're not your favorite but you think about that and even just saying this, I immediately thought of one, but I want to get your response first, <laughs> like a failed or a forgotten mascot. 
Um, well, one of the ones you've, you've pictured on the video version and one that I did play the game of, and that was Gex. And yes. so Gex, he was on multiple systems, but he was a Gecko. This was pre-Geico, by the way. So he was like this wisecracking Gecko that made a lot of like pop culture references. So if you played the games now, it would seem extremely dated. But I just remember there was one Gex game where there's like a wrestling section and Gex was wearing like the Austin 316 vest. And all me and my friend wanted to do was get to that wrestling section of the game. But I think he did, but I never got to see it. So I kind of want to replay that game some point and get to that. But um, just to that. Yeah. He just, he never quite took off. I think there was maybe three games, I want to say. There were multiple games, but it never really took off beyond the the PS1 era. And I think one of the reasons that one of those failed is like Gex fully embraced the, the sort of like tribute. Like his identity was the identity of something else. Like I always thought about the the James Bond one. The one I was thinking about, let me know if this comes to mind. Remember the the, the 7-Up Dot? Like he oh, had a Super yeah. Nintendo game as well. That game was like, what that, was the that game was called? I played that game. Seven like, Up. Let's see your Seven Up SNES game. It was like looking Spot. It up right now. Something Spot. 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 Yeah, cool Spot. Cool, cool spot. spot. Yeah. He was cool. I I played that game. Yeah. What was up with that? I was Seven Up just trying to crack into the video game world. I, I don't know what that. I was I think about. a lot of companies did a, a Coca Cola or Pepsi. Yeah, it was Pe- Pepsi Man. I mean, you think about Pepsi Man. There was like this infamous game that came out in Japan. So I think it really is, once again, I think people tried like, hey, if people like the mascot, mascot's cool, mascot gets a video game, maybe they consume my product. So that, that that's definitely a transition mm-hmm. I think they made. Uh, any other one that comes to mind, either failed so or forgotten? So this is one I never really knew about um, until things like uh, Angry Video Game Nerd and JonTron really highlighted it. But it is just the ultimate failure of a mascot, and that's Bubsy. And he yeah. was a a, co- a cocky bobcat with a cool attitude. And he Ugh. had really bad catchphrases like, oh, what could possibly go wrong? And like, did I mention I don't like heights? Or, and stuff like that. He would always try and, you know, a lot of the wisecracking stuff that the 90s tried to pull off. Anyway, he was on a ton of, like... His games were on a ton of systems, Sega Genesis, SNES, PlayStation, but where they tried to cement him as like the console mascot was with the Atari Jaguar. So you just have the ultimate failure of Bubsy with the Atari Jaguar and you wonder why it just died a death right there. No, I think that that's definitely the thing that some mascots kind of embrace their badness. Like even Buffsy, you bring that up. He got like two new games. I think one was this year, which I actually played. It's bad. And I played the other one for like five minutes. It was also bad. <laughs> now here's here's the controversial part because you brought this one up. So what's your take on Crash Bandicoot? Because here's the situation of when Crash was hot, he was hot. Like the Crash games, Crash Bash crash team racing so it seemed like crash up until the ps2 generation was hot ps3 comes in uh he was sold or i forget what happened between like activision and all those companies and all that and then it wasn't up until recently with the crash insane trilogy that he came back but they haven't really done and like the ctr game on ps4 
why do you think a mascot like that one that was so much money in that moment eventually like fizzled off for basically an entire generation of games? I mean, as you mentioned, there was kind of a something with licensing or whatever that got ended up changing. Is that is that what you were saying? Yeah, like the, there was this whole process. Same thing with like Spyro where like the ownership was debated in, in, in some parts and everything got solved eventually. Now, I'm not too sure about that, but there was definitely yeah. like a drop off. I mean, off. I think that's part that could be partially a reason for it. Again, it might also be due to, you know, with PS3 era, like embracing more realistic graphics, things kind of fell off there. But I mean, you could also attribute that to like rareware right like they they were starting to take off with multiple mascots like banjo kazooie and conquer um with conquer's bad fur day and then microsoft buys rareware and the company just completely uh, craps the bed in terms of making new good games and things like that and we stopped getting donkey it's okay ryan yeah, it's we, okay we weren't getting any new donkey kong games for a while and you know we got nuts and bolts and things like that so you know, it's possible that these other, you know, more business side things can be more of a cause than anything else. But again, I think just with the evolution of graphics and things like that, the more cartoony characters were eventually going to fall off unless there's a company like Nintendo that really embraces that cartoony side and makes the most of it and says, hey, everyone else is going realistic. But since we're staying in this space of cartoony is okay and gameplay first then we can keep our mascots and that's that's fine no and i like the fact you brought up nintendo because one thing that we're going to be talking about next week is that nintendo because of the nintendo switch a lot of games from like previous generations have come back and we've seen like a a bit of a resurgence with video game mascots like uh, new super lucky's tail uh tie the tasmanian tiger even like this odd uh, mummy-themed uh, PS2 game uh, Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy, that got a revival. And I think that there is an element that we're going to bring up more next week about like the concept of handheld video game devices yeah. and, and, or you and the look Nintendo at like a Switch. Character, like the Hollow Knight character kind of becoming, yeah. you know, starting to become something. So, Yeah, exactly. So we're, we can definitely keep this conversation going because I think now we are going to be seeing a lot more mascots because you brought up Hollow Knight. I mean, think about like Binding of Isaac. Uh, think about Nuclear Throne, uh, uh, Enter the Gungeon, right? I think that now that we do have this healthy balance of, you know, high quality graphic video games, but also uh, games that came back to the days of the 8-bit and 16-bit genre, I do think that's where mascots thrive, right? Yeah, definitely. Like the coupled with that cartoony style of graphics, it's just a natural fit. Exactly. It's just a matter of maybe nowadays, people, we just have to accept that uh, we do have video game mascots because we just brought up Hollow Knight and, and all that stuff and the list can't keep going. But maybe they don't have that mainstream appeal that we had back in the day. Because back in the day, let's not forget, video games were not necessarily the cool thing, right? Video games were sort of a side project where now it's so mainstream that maybe it's like it's not necessarily a bad thing that we no longer uh, have this this main focus on video game mascots because, hey, I mean, if you like Assassin's Creed, then then you like it, right? If you like Call of Duty, you like it. If Who's you like your Fortnite, favorite? Uh, favorite what? Mascot. Oh, favorite mascot. Uh, I was like, favorite Call of Duty game. <laughs> favorite mascot. Uh, it really would have to either be uh, Link, particularly Ocarina of Time Link. Like, I, I think I, I can, I have to give out specific answers. It would be Ocarina of Time Link. It would be Donkey Kong Country, like DKC1, 
Donkey Kong probably, and maybe Diddy Kong afterwards. Because, like, I have an interesting story about this. I I didn't play Donkey Kong Country for many years after it came out, but I would always go, and, and I, I remember this like it was yesterday. I would go to this bike store, which for whatever reason, would always sell three Super Nintendo games that nobody bought. It was <laughs> F-Zero, Super Mario All-Stars, and Donkey Kong Country, like, open, like, used copies. They always sat them in this little corner, and I always told my mom, like, one day... <laughs> I'm going to play that ape. I'm going to play that ape. And I didn't even know what the gameplay necessarily was all about, but I saw the damn ape in that thing. I'm yeah. like, I, I got to play that damn thing eventually. So that's why I have like such a sentimental I loved, reminder. I loved the look and the graphics of the Donkey yes. Kong Country, that style. And yeah, I really wish when the they made the country returns that they would have embraced that style because it's just it looks too polished and clean. And I just loved how... I don't know. They almost looked like these clay or rubbery figures. And I, I don't know why I love that style so much. But um, th- yeah, that just made them look so much cooler, in my opinion. They look so realistic for the Super Nintendo yeah. era. So, And it still holds up. So oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody watching and listening, please let us know. When, when we're talking about this topic of video game mascots, uh, number one, like, do, what, what do you think is like the, the, the mainstream mascot nowadays, like the most mainstream one? Maybe it's still, it's probably still Mario, but like, let's challenge ourselves, remove that, which would be the other one. And overall, who would you say is your favorite video game mascot? As we mentioned, uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about the Nintendo Switch and diving into the topic of video game handheld. So I'm very much looking forward to that conversation with one Mr. Ryan McNulty. And everybody, don't forget, once again, you can leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app of choice. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Shout out to everybody that's there. We just love growing this passionate community of of retro gamers. And uh, don't be afraid to suggest topics on the Discord, acastofthepast.com slash Discord. Both of the topics that we're covering back-to-back were made specifically thanks to your interaction. It's not just as fun like... We love to just talk about all this stuff. We This is what we grew up playing, right? This is like our bread and butter of video games. But knowing that you genuinely want to hear those conversations here, I think that's what really motivates us, right? Yeah, we definitely appreciate it. And the Discord is a great place for us to just have a good conversation. And that helps spring up ideas for topics, including what we've discussed today and what we're going to be discussing in the future. So... Um, it's a really fun place to hang out and people post a lot of pictures of food and it makes me hungry, food, but tacos. It, it's a lot of good time. I mean, I bought donuts because of, because of the discord. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah, people don't join when you're hungry. Yeah. Okay. Eat and then, then join. Yeah, that's, that's, that's best practice right there. Yeah. Up until next time, everybody, thank you so much for being part of this conversation. And we will be back with another exciting episode of a cast to the past. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And Keith, keep battling that pandemic, buddy. We're counting on you. <laughs> I just think he's on this mission.